That is what we've been celebrating for about five weeks now, is Christ's first coming. I'd remind you, it's not a mythical event. Sometimes we get in the mindset that this just kind of goes along with Santa Claus. But there's historical, evidential, time and space proof. Jesus Christ came into the world. In fact, there's the actual place where he was born. It's in Bethlehem. I was there in 2008. It's known as the Church of the Nativity. Here's a picture of it. As you get closer, of course, you enter into the doors, and the doors, if you've been there before, it's really small, and you have to kind of crouch down and go in. I'm hoping to go back to the Holy Land this May. If you want to join me, drop me a note. We'll see if it works out for you. But you kind of, uh, kind of crouch down, go in, and then you go down several flights of stairs. Of course, they excavate, excavated the previous civilization, so it's far under the one that's current. And what you find is where they think the original cave was that Christ was born. It's marked in this way. And, and so it's just kind of a moving moment in which you realize that historically, supernaturally, evidentially, God became man. His name was Jesus. And he was sent to save us from our sins. We've been looking at that event for five weeks. The first four we looked at, as you've heard already from Taylor and from other people, was hope. That's what God revealed in Jesus, as well as peace, joy, and love. Four things that were personified when Jesus was born. Well, John 1.4 gives us a fifth one. A fifth thing that was personified, that God revealed when Jesus was born. Here it is in John 1, 4. I'd like you to read this with me, would you, tonight on Christmas Eve together, church? John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, you may think, well, Todd, how do you know him refers to Jesus? Well, if you look back at the previous two verses or three verses, you'll find that Hymns referred to as the Word who was with God and who was God. And through this Word, God created all things. This Word is Jesus because in verse 14 it says that this Word became flesh and lived among us. So it's very clear contextually that Him is referring to Jesus. And yes, it's saying that in Jesus, life came and that He was the light of life. And so here's what God revealed to us. On Christmas Day, along with many other things, but here's one thing John 1 4 says to us. He revealed to us the light of life. Say that with me the light of life. Now, I could just as easily say to you that Jesus is the life of light. Look at the verse with me, would you? It says that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So it's not wrong to say he's the light of life. But it's just as right to say he's the life of light. Now, I say those are both equally correct. I think it's, it's bringing out an important observation that these two things said about Jesus when he was born, they don't stand alone. They are connected. That he is light and he is life. So I think this demands some further inspection. Look with me again, the verses in front of you. At the three primary words, would you? And say them with me. Him, life, and light. Let me explain these two together for a bit. Often we just run to the word light as if it was something Jesus brought. As if it was a commodity he carried. But the verse doesn't say that. 
The verse says that Jesus is the light. And notice the verse says that this light comes from his life. And so these are inseparable. His life is the light. And that's what we are seeing. In him is life and in him is light. And so it says that, in a sense that we can say this, that the light, the source of the light is the life of Christ. And what the light's pointing to is the life that Jesus offers. Now, Jesus would refer to himself as light in John chapter 9. Look at this verse with me. John 9, 5. He said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the, say it, church, light of the world. He also used the word light and the word life to describe himself in John chapter 8. Look at this interesting verse. He says this in John 8, verse 12. He said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so I think in the mind of Jesus, these are inseparable. They're connected. He is light, and he is life, and his light is always pointing to his life. Now, with that thought in mind, watch this. The life that Jesus has in himself is the life granted to him by the Father because the Father has life in himself. That's what John chapter 5 tells us. I won't show you that verse. Just know that the Bible says in John 5, just as the Father has life in himself, he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And so if you ask yourself, what's the light that Jesus is pointing to? It's pointing to the life that Jesus has and the life the Father has. Now watch this, and the life that Jesus and the Father want to share with us. So the light is pointing to its source, which is the life of Jesus and the life of the Father. And so when Jesus came, he was both life and light. They work together. He's the light of life. They work together. They work in tandem to show us his life and to give us his life. Let me just take a few more minutes and talk about these two separately, all right? We see how they work together. Think about them separately for a minute. Regarding Jesus as the light, we see the light from his life, and when we see the light from his life, that's, that's um, I would say, um, equal to or understanding that in the Bible, the word seeing is often a metaphor for believing, when we are, the blinders are removed and we see the light of the glorious gospel, uh, we're no longer blind, but we see. That's often a metaphor for, for believing. And the Bible says that when one believes, when one sees the truth of the gospel, they no longer walk in darkness. So when you see the light of Christ, darkness is gone. It's dispelled. No more darkness when you see the light of Jesus. So just keep this in mind. His light enables us to see. Now this brings me to say this to all my friends over 40. Bruce Springsteen was wrong. The song isn't accurate. We're not blinded by the light. It's actually the opposite. It's the light that enables us to finally be able to see. And it dispels and removes darkness. That's the light of the life of Jesus, bringing vision and, and removing darkness, taking away the blinders. That's what the life of Jesus 
lightens. Now, regarding his life, understand this, that when we believe, when we see, we are then given his life. The Father shares eternal life with us. At that moment, death is dismantled. So do you see what's happening? Darkness disappears because Jesus has come and is the light. Death is dismantled because Jesus has come and is the life. And so we see his life through his light. We share his life. These are what, this is what happens to people who see, who believe in Jesus. Let me give you two verses to prove this. Here's John 12, 46. And I want you to read just a simple phrase with me. I'll cue you when you're, if you'll just hang tight with me. Jesus said this about himself. I have come into the world as light. Now say the next phrase with me. So that whoever believes in me. Remember that phrase. Just kind of hold on to it. If you see Jesus the light and believe in him, you won't remain in darkness. So there he's speaking of himself as the light. Look at the next verse. John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Say it with me. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now, the common phrase between these, these two verses is the phrase, whoever believes in me. And he's saying two things are true. You will not be in darkness and you will never die. But that's not for everybody. It's for those who believe. Believe in whom? Jesus, the light of life. You see, here's what's guaranteed those who believe. And you see it in the verse. Let's go back to our main verse, this simple verse, John 1, 4, which says, say with me again, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here's all it's saying, that in him, speaking of Jesus, there is no death, and there is no darkness. Isn't that great news? Like, Merry Christmas, what a great gift, amen? That's what God personified, revealed to us on that first Christmas. Jesus, the light, Jesus, the life, and as we looked to him and saw him, he pointed to the Father, then we Believe and receive the Father's life, and we're guaranteed no more darkness and no more death. So, church, hear this is just a simple truth to kind of latch on to on this Christmas Eve. For all who believe in Jesus, death and darkness lose their power. Can you just say that with me? For all who believe in Jesus, Death and darkness lose their power. That's just a simple kind of nugget to kind of put in your pocket and take home with you. For all who believe in Jesus, death and darkness lose their power. And you may say, well, Todd, that's interesting. That's very theoretical. It's very theological. Is it practical? Oh, is it practical? Monday, one of our members, Calvin Kane. His mother passed away. Her name was Corrine. She was an older lady, a believing lady, and Calvin was able to be down there for several days with her. It was in Sheraton. He would text me how she was doing, and I think Monday afternoon, he texted me that she had passed away. 
to the world's perspective, she met death, the grim reaper, her eyes closed and it was dark. But that's not the reality for the believer. Because the minute her body stopped working, the minute, the, the nanosecond that she quit breathing, she experienced more light and life than she had ever yet experienced. Because of Jesus. Jesus came as the light of life. She believed, and so she's guaranteed no darkness and no death. And she ultimately, and in a, in a final way, experienced that when she died. Yes, her body quit working. She quit, she quit breathing. Her eyes did close. But she knew nothing of darkness or death. Why? Because of Jesus. So is it practical? Oh, you bet it is. Because every one of you will face death at some point. In fact, I suspect even this Christmas, there's some at this Christmas who are battling some different types of emotions because a close friend, a mother, a father, a child, may have died during these very holidays. And what used to be a festive occasion, man, it's much harder this year. This is why Christmas and the truth of John 1-4 is so practical because when Jesus came as the light of life, all who believe are promised no more death or darkness. Let me walk you through even a more practical, maybe I should say more recent application. Just yesterday morning, I was at IHOP with Brett he has a tradition that he takes his sons out maybe a morning or two before Christmas and they usually go to some breakfast place and um, eat. And so he invited me and he invited uh, Matt and Greg, my other two sons-in-laws, and they all have boys. And so he just said, hey, won't you guys join us? And sure. So we all said, sure. So we all piled into IHOP yesterday morning. There were 10 of us, four adults and six boys, all eight or below. It was an interesting couple of three tables. It was fun, it was loud, there was lots of food and syrup flying and, and all kinds of things happening. It was a lot of fun. But the person who waited on us, the, the lady who waited on us, she took her orders and, and she kind of suspected like this is not like a normal crowd. And so she just asked a few questions. I shared some things with Brett and Matt and Greg and, and just that, hey, you know, we're all kind of connected. This is my son. These are my sons-in-laws. These are all their boys and we're here and and oh, that's cool. And she goes, you know, I just, and here's her first comment. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I don't really have any family now this Christmas. I mean, that was just like right out of the gate, like boom. So taken back a bit, like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, that's, and she begins to kind of un, unpack that a bit about why. I don't go into all that here, except I begin to realize not everyone has a joyous, festive Christmas. Some people are caring a lot. For some people, it's almost a lamenting season. And she was. She was in a place where just, I think her last words were something like this. Well, at least I got my dog. So at, at the moment, I couldn't chat more with her, and we couldn't say much more, but she went, and they brought her food, and, and, then, and then she brought her bills. And so uh, I said, hey, if you got a second, I just want to share something with you. And I gave her a Christmas Eve invitation. <clears throat> I said, if you're free tomorrow night, I said, uh, I'd love to have you join us at our Christmas Eve service. I said, I, I know you don't know us at all, but you can sit with any of our families you want. 
And I thought the guy said, yeah, join us, you know, and our kids, you can sit with us. And I said, I can promise you one thing, that at least for an hour or so on Christmas Eve, you'll have a family. Our church and our families will be a family to you. And I don't know your story, but uh, it just sounds like it's a lot on your plate and maybe it'd be a, a real means of encouragement for you. She took the invitation, said thanks, and that was about it. I don't know if she's here in this building. I don't know if she'll be here the next two services. Here's what I do know. To someone like that, Jesus coming as the light of life, promising to dispel darkness if you believe, that's meaningful. That's practical. That's important. Because the best to give we can give our community in this room, outside of this room, the best gift we can give is the clearest understanding of the gospel that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again so that you would not be condemned by death in darkness forever. And he calls upon all men everywhere, all women everywhere, to believe in him and to be given his life the life of Jesus, the life of the Father, to share in that life and then to have hope, joy, peace, love, and no death and no darkness. Hallelujah, church. Amen. That's the greatest and the best Christmas gift we can offer and give. And that's not just a, a platitude during the holidays. This is practical, theological, Rubber meets the road kind of truth. And so this Christmas Eve, I don't know where you are exactly in your walk as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. I don't know if you've trusted Christ as your only Savior, but I'm here to let you know this, that the one who came historically and supernaturally, evidentially in time and space as the God-man, and then died on a cross as the only means to make us right with God, says to you, if you will believe in who I am and what I did, I'll offer you the greatest life, eternal life, which means no death and no darkness. Now, I must remind you, to be pastorally uh, honest and, and not you know, derelict in my duty, that if you reject Jesus... To not have the life of Jesus is to experience then eternal death and darkness. And, and I think that's the worst kind, don't you? To, to continuously die as a means of trying to pay for your sins. And it never really accomplishes that because mere human effort can never pay for sins against a holy God. And so you're just continuously dying. But oh, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus came God in the flesh, he lived, he died for you. His death satisfies every bit of God's anger against sin. And so when anyone believes and trusts in Jesus, he forgives them, gives them life, banishes death and darkness. That's what Jesus brought. So my friend, it's no wonder Paul would describe that moment in this way. Listen to these words Paul uses as he describes the moment someone believes and trusts Jesus. He says this, For God, 
who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul there echoed what Jesus said about himself multiple times, that we see the life that God has to offer in the face of Jesus, in the life that was a light. That's what came. That's who came. Jesus Christ, the light of life.